Hello and welcome back to the Outside of Us podcast. This is a global news podcast by students for students. I'm your host, Golorano, and today we're going to be diving into the current situation in Myanmar. Myanmar, formerly known as Burma during the period of British rule, is a country located in Southeast Asia with a wide variety of different ethnic groups. The national government recognizes a staggering 135 distinct number of ethnic groups. The major groups are the Bamar, Rakhine, and Shan people. The Bamar constitute about 68% of the population, the Rakhine 4%, and the Shan 10%. From 1885 to 1948, Myanmar was under the control of the British Empire, dubbed as British Burma. During World War II, Burma became a major battleground and theater with between 170,000 to 250,000 Burmese civilians dying during the war. As a result of Japanese imperialism, the British administration in Burma collapsed, allowing for Burma to evolve. Possibly as a result of the looming Japanese forces and the danger of more imperialistic nations around the globe, a Burmese population named Aung San, considered the George Washington of Burma, was able to negotiate the Pang Long Agreement between the various ethnic groups in Burma, including the Bamar, Shan, and other minorities. This agreement essentially unified all the different groups in Burma, but still allowing them to have their own autonomy. The country's history is one of constant reversals and disparities. At first, there was a brief reign of both a transitional government and a weak central government. However, Myanmar's military staged a coup d'etat in 1962. The military held power from then until 2011. The situation was not at all good during this time period. Economically, it was one of the worst places in the world. Politically, it was not the best either. The military leaders abolished free speech and free press, banning independent newspapers. It also discriminated against its people, barring indigenous individuals from running for office, although most people could not acquire power either. Due to the poor conditions, there were many protests in Myanmar. One of the more memorable examples is the Quadruple Eight Uprising, which happened on August 8, 1988, giving it the name. Many students and citizens alike stood up against the militaristic government due to the poor situation that it was in, politically, socially, and economically. It's estimated that 8,000 to 10,000 people were killed on that one day alone. Monks even took to the streets to peacefully protest, and they were met with violence. However, it seemed as if the tides were turning in the correct direction with the military leaders resigning from power. But the tides went back, and another militaristic leader rose to power. In the month that followed August, a brutal crackdown began, with an intelligence group rounding up the protesters from the month before. Thousands fled to the country surrounding Myanmar. The country continued to be terrorized by its very own government. In 1990, an election took place, with the NLD party winning. However, the military kept their power 
and moved on as if nothing had happened. The National League for Democracy, also known as NLD, was steadily gaining power since 1990 when they won the election, but were denied power. Ever since then, their influence over the Myanmar people has been gradually amplifying. In the 2015 general election, the NLD won by a landslide in Congress, gaining 86% of the seats in the Assembly of the Union. Additionally, although the NLD party leader Aung San Suu Kyi was constitutionally barred from the presidency, she was made the de facto head of government, as stated before, after being appointed to a newly created office, the State Council of Myanmar, which is akin to being a prime minister. The NLD party's supermajority in Myanmar's government represented a shift from military control to liberal democracy as the world looked on. The NLD again claimed victory in 2020 elections, with Chi set to become state councillor for another term. However, merely one day before the elected delegates were to be sworn into Congress, the tides turned yet again. The military declared the election illegitimate and declared a year-long state of emergency, with another set of elections set to happen in one year. This declared state gave General Hlaing emergency powers, enabling nearly complete control over Myanmar and its people. This takes us to present day, where we find that Myanmar military has staged yet another coup, just as they did in 1962 to overthrow the new fledging civilian government. Beginning on February 1st, the military of Myanmar, led by General Min Aung Hlaing, began trying to take political power back from the people. Suu Kyi, the popularly elected leader of Myanmar who served as state councillor, aka the prime minister, was put under house arrest, under charges of possessing walkie-talkies illegally. This was not her first rodeo. In the past, she was held under house arrest for 15 years. With the most recent charges, the military is exaggerating the violation in an attempt to keep Su Chi under control. As soon as the news of Chi's house arrest reached the public, civilians took to the streets in large numbers, holding mass demonstrations to protest against the military coup and the detention of their civilian leader. However, the military, in an attempt to maintain control over the fragile area that is Myanmar, has attempted to quell the protesting by attacking civilians with sticks, slingshots, and rubber bullets, as well as limiting the public's connection to the outside world by cutting the country's access to internet services. More recently in the past week, evidence has come to light that the military has adopted the shoot-to-kill tactics in their attempts to secure their authority over the government. Nearly 54 people are believed to have been killed by the military since the coup began on February 1st, showcasing the clear lack of stability in Myanmar. In the past seven weeks, more than 211 citizens have been murdered, most of them with a sniper to the head. Some were as young as 14 years old. According to the UN, this simply happened because they protested against an oppressive regime. Having a military coup is bad enough, However, the various differing ethnic groups in Myanmar add fuel to the fire. There have been many examples of conflicts and civil wars between these groups in the years past. 
In 2012 alone, the ongoing conflicts in Myanmar included 1. The Kachin conflict between the pro-Christian Kachin Independence Army and the government. 2. A civil war between the Rohingya Muslims and the government and non-government groups in Rakhine State. 3. A conflict between the Shan, Laku, Karen groups and the government in the eastern half of the country. In addition, Al-Qaeda signaled an intention to become involved in Myanmar. In a video released on the 3rd of September 2014, mainly addressed to India, the militant group's leader said that Al-Qaeda had not forgotten the Muslims of Myanmar and that the group was doing what they could to rescue them. This all exists within the situation of the military coup. Most people analyzing the current situation can agree that there seems to be an uneasy agreement between the ethnic minorities of Myanmar and those who are protesting the military control of the country by committing civil disobedience. Nearly all citizens in Myanmar are against the military rule of the country, and they are joined by various other countries in the United Nations, including the United States, which has threatened to impose sanctions on Myanmar. Sanctions are essentially cost-effective ways uh, to express displeasure at another country's actions without officially declaring a war on them. In this particular case, the U.S. threatened to freeze almost $1 billion U.S. dollars in assets to Myanmar if they don't immediately return to a system of democracy. Whether such sanctions as these will bring about change, only time will tell. But before we conclude this podcast, let's discuss further the numerous human rights violations undertaken by the military government since the coup began on February 1st. On March 16th of 2021, at least 149 people were confirmed dead as a result of the military's actions. Almost 1,700 people have been arbitrarily detained by the military as a result of the protests. One man, Than Zhao, recalls dragging her brother, who had been shot in the head, to a nearby ambulance, but unfortunately, his brother had passed in his arms due to the callous shoot-to-kill policies of the current regime. These are not isolated incidents. State-run networks and the Myanmar police have insisted that the protesters were in fact rioters who have fallen into violent tendencies in a form of anarchy, and naturally the police force had to take decisive action to protect the safety of everyday citizens. What these groups fail to account for, however, is that it is the everyday citizens who are protesting on the streets of Myanmar. The military coup has had devastating effects on the vast majority of Myanmar populations. People like you, me, and the others that you see every day. If you want to share your thoughts and opinions on the subject or have ideas for a future topic to cover, contact us through our Instagram at Outside of Us Podcast or our email outside of us podcast at gmail.com be sure to come back next week to learn more about what's going on in the world thank you and goodbye <laughs>